Every great film should seem new every time you see it. Hello and welcome to episode 124 of the Midnight Film Review. My name is Brian Stevens, and with me per usual... Pausing for dramatic effect after specific words... Colin Smith. Isn't that how this is supposed to work? Supposed to work. <laughs> I guess. Hey, what's up, everybody? We're, we're back. What's crack-a-lacking, Colin? <laughs> what, what did you say when I saw you today? I don't know. What did I say? You said something like that. It wasn't uh, what's cracking. Oh, I said uh, what's shaking bacon. What's shaking bacon? Oh, so cool, Brian. I try, man. I've been working on uh, hip sayings that kids are saying now, like yeah. DTF and... Uh, ATM. ATM and yeah. Are you are you de- using a sentence? Are you DTF ATM? Uh, with my with my MLMs. <laughs> Multi level marketing. And 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 your BBCs. <laughs> with my BBWs. And <laughs> we should just let's just not let's just all right let's stop. All right. So this episode, uh, we are returning everyone's favorite segment, rapid fire with Cullen. Uh, Will rapid fire on Colin. Rapid fire on Colin. Uh, contributor uh, Will Moore. I almost said Will Smith. I swear to God, I almost said Will Smith. Uh, contributor Will Moore. He has sent in uh, his version, which we all know that he likes to contribute like that, and uh, this should be fun. I'm I'm anxiously awaiting uh, your reactions to these unknown news articles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a couple, or we have an email. Yeah. From. Uh, Chunk the Punk. Thanks, Chunk. Uh, I am going to give the media hot take I was going to give for the uh, last episode this week because we should be okay on time. Probably not going to be a two-hour episode. Maybe. Maybe. It's going to take a long time to detangle the... The inner workings of... Yeah, the origin origin stories for all these comic book characters, you know? Yeah. I've got to rant angrily about how they're not exactly like they were presented in... uh, (laughs) Yeah, never mind. Uh, you yeah. get it. And they were gonna I'm end just kidding. With a review yeah. of Deadpool. <laughs> just, just kidding. Oh, excuse me. Um, all right, so, Colin, are you ready for rapid fire with Colin? Hold on, let me stretch. Let rapid me, fire let me get on loose. Colin. Get a, get a towel. All right, let's do this. So, the email says, Midnighters, and then in parentheses, Brian. I have some news ideas to throw at Colin for rapid fire. And then he has a list of news articles. Um and I don't. So originally I said I think that they were gonna piss you off, but not. Some of these are actually good. Uh, and the first one he lists off, I think you might you might be down with this. Um, he's obviously listened intently to the show. Uh-huh. Michael B. Jordan joins voice cast of Rooster Teeth animated series. Jor- Jordan's Outlier Productions is co-producing the 3D animated series Gen Colon Lock. Genlock? Is that is that ringing a bell? Doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, uh, 
So you got more information than that? It says, Hailing from Rooster Teeth, Genlock is a 3D animated series set on Earth while its last free society is on the losing side of a global war. A diverse team of young pilots is recruited to control the next gen of mecha so-called giant weaponized robots. These recruits find that their newfound abilities come at no small cost. Jordan will star as Julian Chase, who leaves behind his life as a fighter pilot to become the first candidate in the program. That's kind of... I mean, honestly, that's... I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a. Str- that's kind of fucking crazy. I feel like uh, for Rooster Teeth, that's punching above their weight a little bit. Recruiting him for, first of all, Rooster Teeth is running their own mech anime series. What <laughs> things I never thought I would be saying like eight years ago or ten years ago. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, word. I, I don't know. I'm as much as I. Uh, like a couple specific pieces of Rooster Teeth content, I feel like their the brand is now so much bigger than I'm even aware of. Um, right. So that I mean the the other the their first this might not even be true, but their big foray into you know 3D animated original content is Ruby, which has been on my watch list for like four years now, and I've well probably will never get around to it, but I'd like to think I will. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. I, <laughs> uh, I guess we'll see what happens I, there. Yeah. It says, so this is interesting to me. I, I mean, maybe you knew this. I didn't know this, but this, pr- uh, uh, sorry. Uh, the show will stream exclusively on Rooster Teeth's $5 per month subscription streaming service, which is available at the Rooster Teeth website, as well as Xbox One, Apple TV, iOS, and Android. So they have their own streaming. They site. do, and the way it works for uh, for things like Red vs. Blue, or for you know Funhouse, or if you watch, I'm I'm assuming it's the same way for any of their YouTube brands. Like I don't watch Achievement Hunter. Or I think they own Calchop now. I don't know. They own a bunch of they have a bunch of channels, but basically you get uh, access to content before it goes on. You know the. Before it goes on YouTube and before oh, okay. it goes on their the public facing side of the non member side of their website, so and they have exclusive events and you know exclusive behind the scenes yeah. content for subscribers and stuff like that. It seems like they would be a prime candidate for YouTube Red. I wonder if if well they're they're trying to they so they are they actually do have a partnership with YouTube Red. Uh, YouTube Red is the um, got distribution. I don't know if it's exclusive, but they're the main distribution. Um, avenue channel for uh, uh, what is it? Laser Team, oh. which is Rooster Teeth's first um, feature-length uh, live-action film, which think, has also been on my watch list for, for about two years now. So. I just think it's crazy that a, a little YouTube company or a little machinima. I mean. Yeah, I was. I didn't mean YouTube, but like, yeah. uh, just a, a this this small brand now is like has enough clout to get probably you know I would Michael B. Jordan is definitely an A list star in Hollywood right now. What's I mean it? I think it's even it's even weirder to think about how fucking niche. Yeah. They they started off as uh, right, and the, now they're they have, they're literally an entertainment brand. Yeah. Um, started off with some guys making drunk halo parody videos and here we are printing <laughs> now, money now yeah now look where we're at yeah weird 
I so I'm gonna real quick this next one I'm um, it's I think it's I mean it makes sense to talk about this today um, but I want to get a better a better article than the one he attached just the one he attached um, was was basically just kind of about um, the Ryan Reynolds clue movie being at rated R but um, so. Ryan Reynolds signs first look deal with Fox and the first movie in the work is a remake of the 1980s cult classic Clue based on the board game. The game was first developed in 1949. Is it, I mean, okay, then we all know what Clue is, but the 1985 mystery comedy starred uh, Ellen Brennan, Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKeon, Martin Mull, Leslie Ann Warren, and was directed by Jonathan Lynn. Reynolds was a producer on and starred in Fox's Deadpool, which we know. Uh, da, 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 da. He says in recent interview that more than likely the movie will be rated R. Feelings, Colin? Feelings on this reboot? Feelings on this one? This should have been for you because I don't really have. Yeah, I do uh, love Clue. I do love Clue the movie. Any strong attachment to the? Mo- it's been. I probably haven't seen it since I was, you know, a kid. Uh, definitely no strong attachment to it. Uh, I don't know. It seems like a strange fit, but yeah, we talked about that. We talked about the movie a little bit before. Um, I I think that it, so this article says don't um, Rhett Reese who who is uh, writing and directing the film along with Reynolds says don't be surprised if this clue is R rated. I feel like you are gonna if it's Rhett Reese and Ryan Reynolds. I feel like you are gonna hate this clue. Right? I, yeah, I feel like I so that is so different from the the tone. Yeah, of the original film. Yeah, the, the, the right the so the original film is much more slapstick, tongue in cheek, um, little offbeat humor. It's not the witty, wisecracking. I don't know. It's it's much more relied on physical comedy and. Character performances. Character performances, for yeah. sure. Like, I mean, you're talking Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, Mad- Madeline Kahn, Tim yeah. Curry. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah, good point, Colin. You come in. Yeah, no, I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens, but that's, yeah, that, that one was for you. Definitely not excited about that. I'll be frank. Um, uh, although, although, you know what? Maybe, you know what? Maybe Ryan Reynolds <laughs> has been trapped in his box for so long. We can see him go do like makeup and be like the weird creepy butler or something. I think he could, I think he could. Okay. Now you're, there's, there is a universe where this film works, but I don't know if we're living in it. Ah, that's an interesting, I see where you're going with that. Maybe. Huh. Might be. That's, huh. Now you got me. I just got your hopes up. Yeah. Now a little bit. Dashed. (laughs) Torn to shreds. Um, all right. So this, this next one is kind of two-part. Uh, Michael Keaton is back in Spider-Man 2 as the Vulture. It looks like Michael Keaton will play the Vulture again in Spider-Man 2. The news comes after it was announced that Jake Gyllenhaal is in talks to play Mysterio, which, if true, would be the actor's first comic book role. As for Keaton, his performance in the 2017 was a, was seen as a bright spot uh, in a series of, of lacking Marvel villains. In an article by Variety, Jake Gyllenhaal admitted to being in talks to playing the main villain in Spider-Man. Is it really called Homecoming 2? No. Spider-Man prom, bitch. 
Okay. I, I dear God, I hope that's not the title. Okay, whatever. Uh, Keaton is mentioned in the same sentence as almost an afterthought. So we'll take this report with a grain of salt. Da, 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 da. If this is true, Colin, how do you feel? Uh, I don't see him. I don't know. They're they're not going to spotlight him. He'll be there'll be a scene where Spider Man visits him in prison, yeah, or where yeah. he. I was thinking the same thing. Maybe he'll get freed, or I don't know. Whatever. I just. Yeah, just because he's in the movie doesn't mean he's got a huge role. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, look at we were talking about fucking Donald Glover casting in the original Spider Man, and he showed right. up for one scene. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just uh, and yeah, and Hannibal Burris, and I had that whole theory that yeah. they were still. I mean, still, I still love it. I love your. I love to pretend that your movie <laughs> version of the movie actually happened. It's out there somewhere. It's out there. Peter Parker's friendly gay, friendly gay neighbors. Yeah, right. Um, Missed a, Marvel missed out on yeah, that. They did. That's that one. true. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I will. I just we'll see. Okay, Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. Here's the thing. I don't. I I remember the villain Mysterio, same. but I don't remember his origin same. story. Uh, I thought the same thing. Like I know that that villain exists, but I don't know anything about that villain. I mean, I know I can picture him. <laughs> yeah, same. I don't know how you make that costume cool. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like. The, the big glass fishbowl. Yeah. I don't... It, it's like How a... How you modernize that? And I feel like... Doesn't he have like a cape or something? Yeah, he has I, a cape. Yeah. I feel like and it's like... the green and purple. Like it's Doctor Strange inside of a... <laughs> uh, a space ship... Space shoot... Su- space suit? Helmet, Helmet, maybe. Yeah. Right? Uh, so, just a quick backstory on uh, Mysterio, a.k.a. Quentin Beck... Although several characters have been used as mysterious as it. Mysterio, Mysterio, oh my god. Mysterio's, cheerio, Mysterio's character. Uh, oh, he's a special effects wizard and a stuntman working for a major Hollywood studio. However, his, he, he, he came to see his career in special effects as a dead-end job. He attempts to become an actor, he's poorly rece- received, and he ends up becoming a evil super villain all right okay is that that's really that's the real backstory yeah he's like the johnny cage of the yeah the marvel universe yeah pretty much (laughs) uh uh interesting so yeah i don't know (laughs) what if they chose that villain i wonder why okay hopefully they because they have a an interesting take on it that's grounded yeah where the stakes aren't the fate of the universe just like they did in spider-man homecoming yeah and if not well that's too bad we'll see what happens yeah better luck next time all right so now we're getting into some pretty this is some pretty thick stuff here are you you ready for this one colin sure universal's dark universe may still be alive (laughs) rejoice fans of the ill-conceived ideas Universal's dark, Universal's dark universe might still be alive. After the disaster that was the Mummy, it looks like Universal's monster franchise might still have life left in it. Robert Vargas, who is an artist, recently took his Instagram account to reveal that maybe, just maybe, the Universal monster movie cinematic universe might still be alive. Vargas said that he had a great meeting with the Dark Universe team. 
and that he was looking forwarded, looking forward to contributing to the Universal Pictures legacy and creating all types and all in all types and manner of art for the upcoming release of another Dark Universe movie. As mentioned above, Vargas is an artist, so it's presumed that he is going to be behind the concept art as well as movie posters, etc. Then again, Vargas also includes the hashtag LA murals at the end, which might mean Universal has hired him to paint some sort of huge monster-themed mural. This would be slightly disappointing because Vargas specifically mentions the Dark Universe. The only question now is, if the Dark Universe is still alive, what will Universal do with it? Colin? Uh, the Dark Universe back? Remember that old old chestnut from yeah, last summer? Yeah, I mean, what? yeah, we're getting uh, Invisible Man and Bride of Frankenstein. And remember all those movies that are happening? <laughs> Before before we, they even before they even screened the first <laughs> film in the franchise, I just I mean, this seems like such a roundabout, not newsworthy way of trying to talk about this again. I just uh, I feel yeah. like Universal has been quietly trying to decide if they're going to. <clears throat> regroup for another shot or if they're going to pretend that this never happened and just right. walk away from it completely but there has been total radio <laughs> silence since the mummy well right so uh, the, the article brings up the fact that um uh, entertainment weekly and variety did a huge spread on this with which included johnny depp who was to play the uh invisible man and javier bardem who was to play dr frankenstein yeah. and frankenstein's monster uh, who both had signed deals to play these movies. Um, and they were, I mean, Invisible Man was very close to production, if I do recall. Um, so I guess here's the thing. They don't, I mean, you don't have to make it a universe. You can just redo these movies. Yeah, but see, it's too, we're too, too late for that. Like you, you can't, by announcing your intention before... <laughs> Right. That's you good. start. You've right. already. Nobody gives a shit. Like you. I don't know. Uh, what well, I mean. I feel like they deserve to learn this lesson. What's all right? So I'm conflicted because a it's fucking stupid. Yeah. And the people who run these studios are stupid and greedy. And it. This is a horrible idea. It hasn't worked. It will never work. It. It just. I don't know why anybody would think that it would work. Uh, <laughs> so let's just sense. let's just throw that out there. It's uh, just a fundamental misunderstanding of everything that Marvel has done. Uh, but on the other hand, The Mummy wasn't that bad. Right. It I, wasn't good, but it, was, it wasn't that bad. It was yeah. kind of a fun, campy action movie. There were some... I mean, it had potential that it desperately squandered, yeah. but... Uh, it had I don't some, know. There, had were, some, there were redeeming moments and good, interesting ideas. It had some good horror elements yeah. in it. It had good thriller moments in it. I mean, it, it was totally inconsistent and kind of strange in that respect. But right. the bottom line, they could have done way worse. Uh, yeah. But then again, it's not good enough to launch a franchise over. Right, yeah, you have exactly. to build goodwill. Make a second movie. Don't just announce that you're going all these different directions. Nobody cares. It doesn't matter. You're not relevant. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I don't know. I would be, if this, if they do decide to make another movie, 
First of all, I really hope it's the Invisible Man with Johnny Depp because I cannot think of a more irrelevant follow-up. <laughs> like, I just want them to just just fall on their faces. Uh, and that one could be really interesting on paper, but it's not – I just – I feel like even if it was really good, it's not going to make money in today's movie-going movie, movie going climate. Or, I, you know, I just – it's not a not a big box office yeah, film. There's that's the no. Thing. It's yeah, it, exactly. It's not a box office movie. Or if if it was, it would be. It would have to be a really good film, and it would have to be independent of, the stigma that is already going to be attached to it as, this part of a franchise that nobody cares about. Um, like I don't know. I I could see a universe where there's hype builds for a really interesting, dark looking auteur director's Invisible Man film. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But it probably doesn't star Johnny Depp, and it definitely doesn't no. have anything to do with the Universal Monsters. <laughs> so here we go. That's that's where we are. Um, you guys blew it. Uh-oh. You blew it. You blew it once again. All right, so um, we have two more pieces of news. All the right. first one, um, this one, I, I'm interested in, in actually – seeing how this movie develops um, and where we go from here just because of the people who are attached to this. But So the news that Charlie Theron is going to star as Megan Kelly in Rogers Ailes' movie. Gretchen Carlson is also a character in the project, an untitled at this moment, and the, the, the director will be Jay Roach, which is just a weird choice of director. Um so this Charlie Stern and director Jay Roach have now been teamed to tell the tale of disgraced Fox News chairman Roger Ailes. Theron will, will portray Megan Kelly, a former lawyer who was a Fox News anchor for over a decade, rising up to the ranks from legal contributor to host of the popular The Kelly File. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all that's known about this project at this point. Uh, so first, I guess, how do you feel about Charlie Stern as Megan Kelly? Why? Why why are we so all right, let's take why? a step back. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Yeah. You could cast Oprah Winfrey as Megan Kelly. Alright, maybe that's a little bit hyperbolic. Uh why why is somebody making this film? Look, either you think it's profitable or you think you have a story that's worth telling here. And I'm gonna go out on a limb and say neither of those things are true. Right. Absolutely neither of those yeah. things are true. I agree. Um, uh totally yeah Sorry, <laughs> i just who, who fucking cares like are he are you gonna tr- are we trying to tell his side of the story or are we just revealing the depths of his scumbaggery uh and either way i don't give a shit yeah like <laughs> i just what i mean yeah who who is the who is the audience yeah, for this movie wh- where's the fucking market who's yeah. producing this film what studios have gotten behind this who cares well I, I mentioned the director jay roach you know that guy who made the classic films mystery alaska austin powers meet the parents meet the fockers dinner for schmucks the campaign so it's going to be a a farce a farcical comedy <laughs> I mean, if, if that was the case, I would might be interested in it. If they were just totally like going somewhere, starring Will Ferrell as Roger. Yeah, Ailes. I mean, like some crazy place. But 
It doesn't seem that that's the case. I mean, so the last movie that he made was Trumbo. Um, oh. So. He's just, he's decided he wants his legacy to be serious biopic films. Yeah, I guess. I mean, apparently. I mean, yeah. look, we're. <laughs> There's a much better filmmaker making a, a film about the George Bush administration, George W. Bush administration, and that feels too soon. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, that, albeit, I think there's a, that is a better and more interesting and more relevant story to tell. Uh, but why? And who cares? This is like the, the fucking Charlie Sheen 9-11 movie. Let's just... <laughs> right? Yeah. Everybody will ignore it, and we, life will go on. How are we uh, already at this point? You're right. Like, how is this movie being made already? Yeah. I just, what? I, I mean, I guess at least he's dead, you know? Just is so weird to me. It's like just one of those things where it's like, like you mentioned, like, what's the market? Who cares? Like, I this is, yeah, this is not going to be a good movie, and it's not going to do at the box office, and it's not going to win any awards. You're just wasting your time. And of all the stories that need to be told, really, right. Ro- Roger Ailes, like, what? Never mind. Yeah. All right, whatever. All right, you ready for the last piece of news? Yep, and do it. Save this one for last on purpose because it's real juicy. you're going to uh, decapitate yourself. According to Hollywood Reporter, Ryan Reynolds, Michael Bay, team <laughs> for Skydance and Netflix's Six Underground. The deal makes Six Underground the biggest movie push for Netflix since Making Bright. Ryan Reynolds and Michael Bay are heading to Netflix. Reynolds will star in Six Underground, a Bay action pick that is seeing Skydance Media partner with the streaming giant. The deal makes Six Underground the biggest movie since Bright. <laughs> Y'all remember that, Jim? We're, we've, we've said like six sentences in the same two facts. What's happening? Six Underground will team Reynolds. <laughs> with Michael Bay? With Bay and writers of Deadpool one. And to Paul Wernick and Rick Reese, or Rhett Reese. Sources say the plot revolves around six billionaires who fake their own deaths and form an elite team to take down bad guys. <clears throat> Skydance has a strong relationship with Netflix as the company produced Emmy nominated series Gracie and Frank. Gracie, Grace and Frankie. Uh, sorry, that was tough. That was a tough read. Um, <clears throat> what in the actual fuck? <laughs> What does that mean? I don't... So, first of all, first of all, what are the odds that this movie makes it through production? Because Michael Bay literally does not have a sense of humor. The man, the man does not understand comedy oh, and man. has no ability to, like, <laughs> to moderate how seriously he takes himself. So... You combine that with the writing and production team <laughs> for Deadpool and Ryan Reynolds. Be, like, so the, is this going to be a movie with the entire staff trying, making a film, making fun of Michael Bay, that directed is, by Michael what Bay? What if that is it? What because if... that's what it sounds like on paper. And there's no way. There's no way Michael Bay makes it through production if that's the case. Oh, God. He's, he's way too, way too egotistical. I just. I agree. It, it, and uh, this I, sounds like them trolling. <laughs> they got Netflix 
and Skydance in <laughs> on the world's most expensive <laughs> troll, troll Michael Bay project. Uh, six billionaires go underground to become heroes. A superhero squad? Yeah. Oh, man. This so is... it's like a weird subversion of Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, God. That's funny, Colin. I'm glad we saved that for last. I mean, Ugh. can we get uh, David Goyer in to do some rewrites <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Zack Snyder in to produce? Oh, Zack Snyder and Michael Bay are, are the same person? I thought they were one and the same. Oh, man. Oh, this is... It's like too good to be true. I, just, I don't even that. I just, <laughs> I honestly that there's nothing that doesn't make me angry at all. That is in, makes me very curious. <laughs> what? What is that screenplay? What is that movie? Oh. And whose idea was it? I want to. I really. That's why I like the idea of it being a troll because I could see like Rhett Reese <clears throat> and Ryan Reynolds sitting around being like. Oh, this is a goofy script. Like, oh, this is You know awesome. who would, should direct this? Michael Bay. Yeah, so look, there's no way that Michael Bay was on the inside of this, right? No way. No because, way. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have a writing and producing slash star team, right? Right. Talent team. Yeah. There's... <laughs> they had to have approached Michael Bay. There's no way he was like, I want to make a movie... And I know what it's going to be about, <laughs> and I want to work with. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we'll see if this ever gets made. Uh, right now, it's. I mean, it's not in production. We only have one. We only have one Ryan Reynolds what attached. If, what if they just like kept kept the joke to themselves for all of principle, uh. came in and did reshoots and did the final edits, like just to make it ridiculous. I, that would be awesome. How Michael Bay might murder them. He, I mean, he remember he has friends in the CIA. Be careful, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, and also a giant penis, which and is a, a, bl- a bludgeoning weapon. Um, <laughs> what if this is? What if this is all a ploy to make a documentary about the making of this movie oh, with Michael Bay? That would be brilliant. And I could see Ryan Reynolds and, and Rhett Reese doing that, something crazy like that. I'm not lying. Uh, <clears throat> hopefully we didn't let the cat out of the bag. Um, all right, that's going to do it for Rapid Fire, Colin. Uh, Michael Bay is uh, always keeping an ear to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to emails. You can, yeah. You can always email the podcast at midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. That's midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. Yeah. Make make your own list of things for me to react to. Uh, I didn't. I feel like I didn't get angry this time. I think you. So obviously, you probably have a better idea of how to press my buttons than anyone right. else. But yeah. I, you know, I think we'll pick some interesting articles. The Michael Bay one. It just. Uh, it's so silly. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So we heard from uh, Justin Lin, aka Chunk. He says, "Subject: Solo movie." And then there's a picture, a great picture of Salacious Crumb. Uh, I'm not going to do the noise, but uh, I wish I could. You could, we'll just insert insert a sound effect. Insert the sound effect here. You ready? <laughs> okay. Um, he says, "Hey, Midnight Pals, I'm getting more and more excited for Solo after the premiere got good reviews. I'll go see it for sure. But what I'm really hoping for is a salacious, becrumb Star Wars story." <laughs> <laughs> 
In case you're in the dark, he's Jabba the Hutt's court jester from Return of the Jedi. Oh, please, like you don't already know who Salacious B. Chrome is. Anyway, looking forward to your, your review of Solo. Yours, Chunk the Punk. Uh, I obviously knew who Salacious Crumb was. Um, did you? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I knew by that name? it was his name. No, not by name. Oh, okay. Uh, the picture helped. Yeah. But not, definitely would not have. If he would have not added the picture, I would have not known who that was. Yeah. There's uh, there's some. Uh, I forget what the backstory is. How he ends up in Jabba's palace on Tatooine, but he he kind of inserts himself. Jabba is amused by him, and he kind of inserts himself in Jabba's life and becomes the de facto jester. Uh, so could we see a so or a uh, Star Wars story? No, that's no. Okay. Weird and silly it's <laughs> not realistic but uh will he uh, make an appearance i don't know i i feel like uh any anything we know about salacious crumb has been wiped out anyway you know all the extended universe stuff that talked about him uh, previously uh, yeah. is no longer canon so. so i guess i don't really know a lot about job of the hut either what what's his backstory I don't remember. So, well, the Huts are a notorious, notorious race of <laughs> intergalactic gangsters. So, there's a chance we could see some Hut action in Solo. Yeah. So, anyway, he's the he's the member of, or his family is you know is a cartel family or something. Mm. And I don't remember how he ends up running the operation on Tatooine or if he like kills someone and takes it over or if it's what the backstory is. I don't really. So the huts are assholes. That's what the, I, all right. Yeah. How excited are you for solo? I'm just on on one to 10. Let's go one to 10. A seven. Oh, okay. You're, you're seven, 70% excited. Yeah. I just feel like, uh, the farther we go in, the i'm just it's i feel like it's all been downhill since yeah. force awakens you know see i i was really excited for it when i first heard about it like when i initially when lord and miller were attached and elden einreich was um was announced as as han and uh donald glover as uh lando i i got excited but watching that trailer i just i'm not i'm not super excited this is like the least excited for a star wars film that i've been out of all of these releases the, so the problem i don't know we'll, we'll see what ends up happening i just i feel like there's this the stakes are so high for everything right and i don't know if that you can like take this character and tell his backstory in a compelling way through, you know, this one singular event or something like that. I just, uh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the, excuse me. What was the, the Jen some movie? I can't even remember the name. Rogue One. Rogue One. Yeah. Rogue One was just such a, feel like a letdown in so many ways um i i don't know i i i don't i just i don't know how to frame my expectations for these movies i don't and i i want to avoid 
promo and spoilers as much as possible. So I'm just, I'm just trying to keep my head down and not get excited. I mean, like no matter what the, the, the fucking title theme plays and the, the text scroll starts and I get goosebumps. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. It's still, and it's annoying because I'm like, fuck you exploiting my fucking childhood (laughs) bastards. Yeah. Uh, but it is what it is. I, I just, I, I almost feel like the the further we go into this new era, the more it feels separated and distinct from what came before it, which was bound to happen. But also it means I just, I'm kind of, I feel a little more removed from being involved or excited about it. Um, yeah. I don't feel, I don't feel anything. Like, honestly, like my level of excitement's, you know, like a four, like I just, there's nothing that can get me excited for this movie at this point. And I, I don't, I, and the, the thing is like, there have been, the reviews have been really good. The yeah. reviews have been like, it starts out slow and it finishes strong. And, um, but I still like, I'm obviously going to see it. Like I just not I'm not dreading it by any means, but I'm just not like, like, you know, even the last Jedi or even rogue one, like I was super excited to see that movie. And this one, I'm just not there. Not there at all. I, you know, I would just, <laughs> I would just like a a good film. I that's really what I want. I, I yeah, don't know. same. I'd, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's weird. I just, but it's nothing new. I I can remember so clearly the confusion I felt <laughs> after <laughs> leaving the theater as as a what was I like. 11 when i saw the phantom menace um and nothing is going to top top that uh you know yeah if nothing is going to break me like it did that (laughs) you know like i lived and breathed star wars for so long as a kid and then all of a sudden like 20 years later they're making more (laughs) star wars films do you know how like lucky and privileged i felt like it was happening it was happening for me. The timing was perfect. Like my whole life had led up to that point. If you'd only known. And then. If you'd only known. Pod racing and Jar Jar Binks and what? Like what was? What is this? <laughs> like what is? What is happening? It's weird. It's weird. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel like Star Wars. What is my life? <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for that existential crisis, George Lucas. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Um, at least the. But the casting has been good all the way around every every one of these. So, uh, true, yeah. What what when they make a good film, then I'll start getting excited again until the next one inevitably disappoints me. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for open discussion. But hey, Salacious Crumb is great. Um, I want to see some. Uh, I want to see some Twi'leks. Tweedle, Tweedle, Tweedle lead. No, just Twi'leks. Twi'leks. What's up with brain tails? The ultimate erogenous sounds. <laughs> all right, we'll be right back with an open. I want to. You've got me all flustered. Oh yeah. We'll be right back with a media hot take by yours truly. And we're back, Colin, with a media yeah. hot take. What? So, what kind of what kind of character were you? What kind of what race were you in Star Wars Galaxies? I don't know what you're talking about. 
played a played a Erodian. Erodian? Yeah. Like Greedo. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no, shut about Pistolier and uh, and Creature Handler. It was an OP combination at first. Hey, what is this? What do we do? What do we talk about? What is this podcast? <laughs> Media hot takes. Oh, okay. Media hot takes. <laughs> Hopefully, people are still listening. Sponsored by Blast Tech Blasters. <laughs> okay, so. We're going to switch gears a little bit here. We're going to go from Star Wars to Bill Hader. Well, Bill Hader, he should be in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> Probably. He's, he really should, actually. Yeah. Um, so, Colin, I want to talk about Barry, the HBO comedy drama. Uh, dramedy? Dramedy. Uh, it's the half-hour dramedy on HBO. Have you heard about Barry? I have, and I am <clears throat> a huge fan of Bill Hader's. I think he is funny and brilliant and interesting and uh i was looking forward to the premiere of barry and it is it's probably right at the top of my tv watch list along with atlanta i can't think of anything that's higher on my list than those two shows so with that being said i've watched neither of them so my opinion means nothing go ahead uh no and you picked two shows to be right at your top barry is fantastic uh, the combination of humor with some very dark, serious content is unparalleled. I, you know, uh, Atlanta does a great job, but it's a totally different handling of of drama and, and comedy. Um, like Barry is dark. Barry is very dark, and uh, the humor is like a respite. Like you need the humor to get through some of this stuff. Um, yeah, it's weird thinking of Bill Hader in this type of role, but, uh, let me just say Barry really flexes his acting muscles. Uh, this, I I can't see another person playing this character after you watching him on screen. Um, the rest of the cast, Steven Root is awesome as, uh, Monroe Fuchs, uh, who goes by just Fuchs, who is, uh, Barry's handler uh, partner. Um, they have a a almost a uh, family type relationship where you would say like they look out each look out for each other as like family, but they both have their own interests ahead of the other person's at times. Uh, and then Sarah Goldberg plays Sally, who uh, is kind of the love interest, but really. Uh, that's just an entry point for Bill Hader to get into the acting. So for those who don't know, uh, it's about a, a hitman uh, who lives in Cleveland, travels the world, uh, knocking people off. And he goes to L.A. for a hit and uh, decides to try his hand at acting. And he joins a local theater troupe. Uh, it's as silly as it sounds. Um, but... Uh, Probably the standout outside of Bill Hader is Henry Winkler, who is the person who runs the theater and uh, the theater troupe. He is just, he is awesome. That's all I can say. Um, There are tons of little small cameos from actors you'll recognize or um, they're not big names, but you'll definitely recognize them. Um, Yeah. If you, if you have HBO and you haven't watched Barry, what are you doing? Stop listening. Go watch it. It's nine episodes. They're half hour long. Uh, 
it's so worth it, man. It's so worth it. Um, you're going to hear a lot of people talking about Barry, I think. Um, and then when season two comes out, I feel like the show's going to be a hit. So it's the, uh, it's the new, it's the, it's the new hit show on, on, on HBO. Everybody's going to be talking about it. So go watch Barry. All right. You ready to move on? Let's, I, I got no puns. Yes. All right. We'll be right <laughs> back with a spoiler free review of Deadpool. And we're back, Colin, with a review of Deadpool 2. Are you sure? You only clicked once, not three times. I, I'm sure. Deadpool 2. Dead. Deadpooler. Pooler. Yeah. Uh, so, Deadpool 2. Same same writing team, I guess. Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick, Ryan Reynolds, etc., etc. The big change up in this uh, is David Licht. Licht. Who you may know from Atomic Blonde, and he produced such films as John Wick. Uh, Tim Miller was the famously the director of the first uh, Deadpool and, and was part of the writing team, and kind of unceremoniously left. We don't really know exactly what happened. We spoke about this, I think, on the show before, so we're not. I'm not real sure why he wasn't brought back to direct Deadpool two. The the best, the closest we've come to an answer is that he was not comfortable with the amount of influence and creative control Ryan Reynolds had on the film mm. uh, and, and the process, and he stepped away. And Ryan Reynolds uh, went out of his way to praise him after his departure, and yeah. um, you know, I, I guess hopefully it was just their working arranged. He he wasn't wasn't comfortable with their working arrangement. Uh, but any case, David Leitch, Lech, Leitch, who they brought in. Uh, it's with Leitch. Sure. Was much less experienced. Yeah. Which may have been what may have been a good fit for what Ryan Reynolds and, uh, and Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick were looking for. Considering he, this is his first feature-length directing credit, and the only other thing we know him from is he—he he is the uncredited co-director of the first John Wick movie. Well, he directed uh, Atomic Blonde. Oh, did he? Yeah, he was the director of Atomic Blonde. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Now I think this movie was actually filmed before Atomic Blonde, oh. but Atomic Blonde was released first. Interesting. Yes. All right. Why? Yeah. Okay. Just kidding. Yeah. His his second f- credited directorial effort. There you go. Uh, yeah. And uh, so let me just re- run down the cast. So the re- this cast obviously uh, Marina Abakrain as Vanessa. Uh, he's joined by Josh Brolin who plays Cable. Uh, Zazie Beetz steps in as Domino. Uh, and then Julian Dennison plays Russell. Of course, T.J. Miller is back. Um, and then we have a bunch of cameos from different actors. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll get to that in spoilers. But um, let's just start off. I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off the show, and, and then we'll, we'll get to you. Um, so, Colin, <clears throat> much easier 
viewing than the first time than the first Deadpool I saw. There were no real children. There were some younger kids, but no like children, children, no infants, no infants, no, no toddlers. Yeah. Um, I saw it in a pretty empty theater yesterday, actually yesterday um, evening. And um, yeah, so I thought that the humor um, wasn't as good as in, in the first one. I thought the action was actually really good. And I felt that, uh, you could feel that this movie had more money behind it and the action beats were bigger. Um, there was, uh, I don't know. There was more hand to hand combat. I felt less gunplay, more hand to hand stuff. Um, and it wasn't just Deadpool. Um, we see Domino in a great action scene, a couple great action scenes doing hand to hand combat. Uh, we see Colossus going at it with, uh, someone we'll talk about later. And, uh, yeah. So I, overall I thought the action was really good in this um, and, and I would say better than the first one. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the humor and let me just say the, the, the first one, the cancer, dude, that was, that was, they handled that really well. And, um, I, I, I felt a sense of dread, um, with that diagnosis, even though I know that he's going to get these powers to overcome his cancer. There was a very, they did a good job of giving you the sense of, uh, frailty to life and uh dealing with maybe uh the consequences of preparing yourself for death imminent death on the flip side this movie is i feel like tries to tackle what it means to be unkillable to to not be able to die uh and the impact that has when uh things around you start to crumble and I just thought that it was not handled well. Um, I did not feel the sense of drama in this at all. In fact, it just felt silly to me. It, I just emotionally, I had no attachment to anything that was happening in this movie. Um, and I felt like that was unfortunate. I feel like that there, this this movie tries to say something, and I I really appreciate it for that. But it just it fell flat for me. Um, for me, this ended up being nothing more than uh, a pretty good action movie and nothing more um i enjoyed it i'll i'd watch it again if it was on tv but uh it is not close to the first one for me that that's interesting i think this is again it does some things better and it does some things worse Uh, it feels very different than the first film does i will i'm definitely along with you there uh the humor the fourth wall breaking moments and the, the focus on um, Wade or Deadpool is toned down pretty significantly in this one uh, for better or for worse. I think they, the, my, one of my big issues with the first film is it was so funny and so aggressive and different that I think that disarmed the audience and kind of prevented them from seeing a lot of the f- the very glaring flaws with yeah, the film. Sure. Uh, I think I think this one would probably hold up better on a second viewing than the first one did, uh, which once once the movie had played its hand. Uh, I tried to watch the original Deadpool and didn't get all the way through it again. It just kind of felt 
very one-dimensional. Hmm. Um, and I think because this one is less driven by Reynolds uh, carrying the weight of the film on his own shoulders uh, and less driven by the humor, it will probably hold up better in the long run. Um, with that being said, it, it feels different. So I can understand if people felt like they didn't get what they were expecting or they didn't like the change uh, into something that is resembles a more traditional superhero film starring Deadpool, which is what I think this is. Mm -hmm. the, the first film just kind of felt like it existed in some weird vacuum. Um, it was... It, yeah, I, I agree with that because it, right? it, like when I was thinking about this movie, like after I saw this movie, I was like <laughs> reflecting on both of them and I'm thinking to myself, I cannot believe that first movie happened. It feels like that movie shouldn't exist in the way that it does. Yeah, the the bad guys don't matter. Uh, yeah. The, the plot of the movie just sort of is there to give you uh, to to characterize Deadpool. It's it doesn't it doesn't really the narrative arc of the the story doesn't matter. It's it's really just there to drive character development. Um so we have something to build on in the future in a lot of ways. Uh right. So so I don't know. I I I think I I'm totally with you. The action beats are much different. Uh, you can tell by the scope and the the location movements on this film that it has a much higher budget. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not as funny, uh, but I don't know. I I I enjoyed it. Um, I, I'm still I'm still kind of processing how I feel about this film um, because I think in a lot of ways this film kind of is is a step towards just a you know Excalibur or X not Excalibur different different X Men spinoff X Four starring mm -hmm. Deadpool franchise uh, and I think this film was kind of trying to we were watching watching these writers and watching Ryan Reynolds try to figure out how to make that transition. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, so I, uh, I don't know. I, I think that, look, if you liked the first Deadpool, you should go see this and you will probably enjoy it. Even if you walk out of the theater thinking, man, I don't, I didn't like that as much as the first one or man, that wasn't as funny as I wanted it to be. Uh, this is, it just, this felt like suddenly we jumped into the a Marvel yeah. universe or an X-Men yeah. universe, whereas the first film was just kind of existed in this weird vacuum. Uh, so I don't – yeah, I, I, I definitely enjoyed the more – the elements of the narrative that – so we had a we have a trade off, right? There's there's some a really questionable decision early on in the narrative of this movie. There's a lack of characterization or character development for Wade. But on the other hand, we have a narrative that I think works better um, 
has a more satisfying beginning, middle, and end, and has higher stakes for the other people involved other than Deadpool. Yeah, right. Uh, so I think it's it's more robust and it's a more, a more mature film in that way. Um, but there is some big, I, I think I have, I have some issues with uh, the way this film started. And I, again, I, I still think the narrative needs work. And it, I just, this, this film feels like a work in progress or a stepping stone still. Like they, they, they tried to fix some things and they still don't have everything ironed out. But uh, I don't know. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, that, that's what I think. Yeah, I'm with you. The beginning of this movie just feels so forced in so many ways. And like I, I mentioned like before, like there were parts of the first one that really I felt like were handled in a very distinct like they they felt the heaviness of the subject where this I don't think anything is allowed to settle and I it it doesn't feel it never feels real you put it that way yeah the it's <laughs> as weird as it is to say because there's no focus on it's it's just not as character driven and there's no it's not a grounded story yeah and it, there, um, yeah, the the beginning of the film really sabotages that in a lot of ways. Um, I I really really enjoyed Josh Brolin as Cable a lot. Good, think, he was really um, good. Yeah. He was a great casting choice, uh, and he played off of Ryan Reynolds. They played off of each other very well. He he was a fantastic straight man. So good. Um, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So I think that was a great decision. Uh, And Zazie Beetz was one of my favorite parts of this movie. So good. Um, So charming and charismatic and just a really fun, interesting take on Domino that I am Mm -hmm. very excited to see more of in, in the future. Reason um, 579 why you should watch Atlanta, Colin, yeah, is Zazie Beats. I know, Beats. I know. Um, yeah, so Zazie Beats was awesome. So there there was some uh, there was some great performances. There's there's a fun surprise. I, I don't know. I, like, I, I think, so I saw this with my girlfriend, and she walked out saying the same thing. Like, well, she liked it, but it wasn't as funny as the first mm-hmm. one. And I agree. I This felt like more of a conventional superhero film in a lot of ways, but not at all in a lot of ways. And yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like what was that? The, the, the horse's pressure valve blew off. <laughs> I, I feel like my, like my biggest issue with the humor and then we get spoilers Yeah, is I think the sight gags were less effective in this. And I do think that TJ Miller's character was toned down for reasons that we all know. I feel like there's parts of his his performance that was edited out, so we had less T.J. Miller, because, uh, yeah, I, I mean, obviously he has to be in this movie because he drives the plot in in a couple areas, um, but I don't know, the humor is just it just isn't there, and to me, some of the funniest parts of the first Deadpool was him. It was some of the sight gags and the way that he utilized 
uh, his his body and the physical humor and uh, him just, for lack of a better phrase, fucking with the the villains. Yeah, uh, and the humor did. I so I think that's part of the problem. Um, the humor made a big jump in this one, and it it became it. There's a lot of meta humor in this. There's a lot, a lot of Marvel Universe mm-hmm. meta humor in this, which is great for the nerds. But there, there were a couple times where I laughed out loud. Yeah. And I was in a full theater seeing this in, uh, what is the fucking Cinemark? XD. Mm-hmm. And, like, no one else was laughing. And I was like, I can't be the... Like, I'm not even, like, a serious comic <laughs> yeah. book nerd. This yeah. is just from my childhood. I can't be the only one that, got that, that. just got that yeah. joke. Like, why am I the only one? What is like? Yeah. So that I think that was a a weird choice, uh, but it it is a. It was very noticeable the shift in, from, sight gags and, slapstick, action gore mm-hmm. to what we have now it it was very uh very toned down and i don't so i i i just i couldn't figure out what the the reasoning behind that was this is still r they they stake yeah. the reputation on a lot of that stuff and uh i don't know it it didn't quite reach the level of their i feel like they're self-censoring but it felt intentional though it was well, it was noticeable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I don't know. We I think we've been talking about this a while. Yeah. All right. You want to move into spoilers? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back with spoilers for Deadpool Part 2. 2. <laughs> what? Honey. Wow. Are you kidding really? me? Really? You just ruin it every oh. time. Oh. I'll see you at home. Well, wait so a second. Rude. Now, how would you not know that that was taking place? And we're back. Spoilers. If you don't want to hear them, stop listening now. Because you're going to hear spoilers for Deadpool 2. Uh, spoiler Colin. Uh, Vanessa dies, except she doesn't die. But she was in heaven anyways. What? So. <laughs> what? The the fact that, so there, like, I guess the, there have been, like, the one thing I accidentally read about this, uh, I guess the writers have been getting some pushback. Because... It's such a st- it's such a stupid, ridiculous trope that has a name. Oh no! Okay. Yeah, it's called fridging, right? Yeah. Where they you use a female char- you exploit a female character to drive a narrative arc for a male character, almost always a girlfriend or a wife or a mother is killed, and the loss drives the hero's journey. Okay. Uh, Super common played out trope. Yeah. In fact, we saw it twice in this movie. We saw it with Cable and with Deadpool. Yeah. It's how they open the film, but it's not a meta parody trope. Mm-mm. It's just a shitty fucking writing choice. And that was so weird to me. Like, for how self-aware this movie is or should be, to use that to open your film... And to do it n- not ironically, I just, that was weird. 
yeah. weird and, and, it's, and sexist and pointless. It's And it's – the thing is like – It doesn't work. It starts from the very beginning and there's no buildup to it. Like uh, that, that whole scene – like so that whole scene really bothers me. It goes from like want to have a kid. We're going to have a kid to like literally minutes later she's being killed. Yeah, and the I mean the credits start to make fun of it, but it doesn't go far enough. Yeah. Uh and the and I guess the writers have been in getting that pushback. They've said, "Oh no, we we didn't really know that was a trope and we were just just our writing choice." I mean, I feel like the like and and I kind of believe them because I feel like the whole point of this movie was for Deadpool to toy with his mortality. And him wanting to be dead. Uh, obviously, he tries to kill himself. And how do you get to that point? If Vanessa is still alive, if she's still a part of his life, he's obviously never going to hurt himself or put himself in that position because he feels like he has to protect her, he loves her, whatever. So I feel like I understand Like you have to get rid of her and you have to make it seem like it's his fault. Like He blames himself. He threw the, the cream cheese spreader and it hits the gun and the bullet goes at her rather than him. I, I get all that. That's fine. But I just feel like the setup was so cliche and so poorly done. And I never felt a weight of her death. You and we immediately, we don't see a funeral. We don't see him grieve. We see him sitting at a bar, pissing himself. And to me, that's just the first movie. It spends a lot of time in the beginning with him dealing with cancer and him dying. And his fear is I don't get to love this woman anymore. I'm dying. Uh, and the whole thing that pushes him forward is he wants to be with her. And I just, I mean, I guess you can build off that first movie into the relationship, but it's just so ill-conceived in the beginning of this movie. I, and the thing is, as soon as they introduce time travel, I immediately think to myself, he's going to exploit it in some way because that's Deadpool's character and he's selfish. And even though she's apparently in heaven, He's going to bring her back. And it just, I just, like, I don't, I just feel like there was a, there's a better way to deal with mortality and his superpower than, than the way they did. There are, I'm sure, lots of better ways. Uh, and the, the icing on the cake is the unnecessary time shift <laughs> to start the film. Yeah. Like, what? Why, thanks for wasting five minutes of your own screen time by, Tarantinoing this intro with absolute it it not only is it not helpful it's it's harmful like yeah. it's just it's so pointless just show the fucking montage and then get get us there right like, yeah, yeah starting and rewinding it's it was so yeah just not a not a good way to start the film um, and luckily when things get moving. In the second act, you kind of forget about how shitty and right, yeah. not self-aware and contrived and cheap the first act of the film was. But fucking weird, man. Yeah, I don't. I it kind of sucks. I, I I I don't know what I don't really know what to say. Like I just Vanessa is such an important character in the first film, and here just. Oh, yeah, the way they the way that she's treated is just it's so haphazardly and God, it's just like 
Uh, whatever. The beginning of the movie sucks. Like, I, there's no. I mean, we could talk yeah. about it all day. It just it sucks. It I, does. I don't. I don't know where where else to go from there. <laughs> um, but yeah. So I think like uh, Cable, you mentioned excellent performance. Um, I I really enjoyed all of his hand to hand fight scenes, uh, which I was surprised. I'm like a fifty some year old Josh Brolin. Uh, I don't really think of him as a imposing figure because he's he's not a big man he's big but he's not like big he's not like rock big or or you know what i mean like or thor hemsworth big it's a big guy though you know like he's stocky uh but i believed it like i believe their fight scenes and ryan reynolds is jacked so like it was those were those were fun scenes um i think he even makes a quip about him being short he's not yeah because cable in the comic books is like <laughs> six six five or something yeah. and you know like 280 pounds of pure <laughs> yeah, muscle right eight percent body fat just like every other <laughs> right yeah but i was really true. impressed but, yeah. with the physicality of of the role and, and how much he embodied that uh that role and zazzy beats domino and josh Bullen's cable were two i mean they made the movie for me those two performances those two characters completely made a difference in this movie for me they did it so what we had we have like the the shitty intro and the total regression on character writing and you know Mm -hmm. using vanessa as this this fucking narrative object um her sacrifice whatever so that is bad but i think offsetting it is the feeling like we're actually in the X-Men universe finally. Yeah, yeah, right. And getting to experience the the Deadpool universe version of these characters. Yeah. Um, that was great. I yeah. love the scene when they're at the house and he's like, where are all the X-Men? And then you look and there's like... The <laughs> shut, shut the door. He's like, quick story. Yeah. <laughs> like, shut the door. Yeah. Uh, that, was, that, was, uh, that was brilliant. Um, yeah, I... Uh, Colossus is another character that I uh, I appreciate, and uh, I was worried that he was going to be overused in this, and I felt like it was just, it was perfect. And the fight scene with him and Juggernaut, which the Juggernaut thing, which I thought was, I just thought that was kind of hilarious, because I, w- I kept thinking, like, what villain is in there? That's And I, it, yeah. I never thought it was Juggernaut. Yeah. And I love that Juggernaut's just like, yeah, let's fuck this guy up, like, just out there, out there. And I don't know... Um, is Juggernaut a big part of the Deadpool universe? He is. <laughs> so he is uh, often. So, yeah, he's he's kind of a recurring villain of. Obviously, the X-Men's, but but also X-Force to some extent. Um, but he he's most often associated with uh, uh, Black Tom Cassidy, which I thought oh, was funny. Yeah. <laughs> they just. Black Tom <laughs> they Cassidy. just cut out the middleman and killed Tom Cassidy and Black Tom um, <laughs> and went straight for the juggernaut. So, yeah, that's that's fun. Uh, little, little fun meta humor. Yeah, there. like there were. That's the thing is like a lot of the meta humor. Meta humor was good. Um, I actually liked him. You know, killing off old Deadpool in the ending cutscene. Uh, and shooting himself in the head with the with the, the Green Lantern, uh, Green Lantern script. script in hand, like I thought that was, and he managed to get Wolverine in his movie, which he had been, you know, he's been begging and begging. Well, he didn't. Well, no, he didn't, but he yeah. did. 
Iowa's well, it was unused footage from. Yeah, of the, course. Yeah, yeah, but I just think it's hilarious. Like yeah. he, the, that to me, I I I cackled. I also cackled when he called Josh Brolin Thanos. Yep. Uh, that was a great grabbed his face. <laughs> that yeah. was a great part of the movie. The, Probably like one of my my favorite parts. So I was, I think the best moment of subversion in this film for me was just the way they executed the X-Force characters. Oh, yes. Because this is like an X-Force movie (laughs) and they just, they have a, no, I mean, not no regard, but (laughs) just letting, (laughs) letting us know how they feel about the, these characters and the way they were written. Um, that was so pretty great. When when Terry Crews goes through the window <laughs> of the bus, and then it's not like he recovers. Uh, yeah. He's dead. <laughs> he's gone. He's dead. And then Shatterstar was like, wait, it's this? And then Shatterstar coming into the, the helicopter? Uh, fucking fantastic. And so they the one of the lines I I thought was hilarious is uh, the dig at Rob Liefeld. They said something. Well, first of all, Shatterstar. <laughs> Shatterstar is one of Rob Liefeld, who, to be fair, created most of the X Men characters that I grew up with. Yeah, um, and is also the subject of two of the greatest hate websites in the history of the internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think 50 reasons why Rob Liefeld is, is like the worst or something. I don't know. It's something along yeah. those lines. Um, I'm not going to look he cre- So he created most of the X-Force. He created Shatterstar. Shatterstar was one of his prized characters. And Shatterstar goes. It's just so they reduce the origins of this character. They, sh- they show how just fucking absurd he is so <laughs> effectively. And the audience doesn't even understand. But it's like, you know, I'm... He says something like, from Mojo World, and what's your superpower? I'm better than everyone. <laughs> and Shatterstar, that is, like, his powers, he didn't have powers. He was just, like, stronger and faster and better at fighting whenever he needed to yeah, be inexplicably. Right. Like, and, it, and then at some point his bones became hollow. And, like, he could heal at some point. Like, he was just this nebulous Rob Liefeld creation. <laughs> <laughs> who was better than everyone. And then there was some dig at Rob Liefeld, like created by somebody who couldn't draw feet. Yeah. Which is yeah. Right. Just so if you, this is, we're getting a little off the rails here, but if you ever looked at an X-Men X-Force Excalibur new mutants cover between like 1990 and 2000, and you were like, why did he just why did the artist just keep drawing muscles like there that's not a real muscle like it just the muscles keep going and layering and there's no sense of proportion uh the they're drawn at fucked up angles it looks like limbs were added as an afterthought when he realized he'd forgotten them in the first place and the feet are these weird points <laughs> nebulous points that exist like independently of yeah, so that's all Rob Liefeld. That's his thing. He can't draw feet. <laughs> he can't really draw draw anything very well. It turns out, 
but that didn't stop him from becoming arguably the most successful, um, you know, Marvel artist since Stanley and Jack Kirby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Uh, there, I think, yeah, yeah. And there's, there's this one, I know there's this one image of Shatterstar and I remember it from this, from the website, making fun of Rob Liefeld. And it's like, he drew Shatterstar with a sword, like pouncing. And then at some point he realized he was like, wait, I think you'd probably be able to see his other arm from that angle. So there's just kind of like another arm added on behind the first one. And it's just that it's just a perfect representation of everything that Rob Liefeld stands for. So that whole thing, just giving him the middle finger and killing all these stupid characters that nobody gives a shit about. Wonderful. And, uh, of course, Brad Pitt being um, Vanisher. Vanisher. (laughs) And I I was like, was that Brad Pitt? Yeah, same. And then afterwards, I waited to the credits. And my girlfriend was like, that was Brad Pitt. And I was like, holy shit, you're right. (laughs) Um, I read a cool article on um, Yahoo, and they asked Brad Pitt, like, how much did he charge for to be in that role? And he's like, well... I had to take the minimum because it's a union, but so I took the minimum. But I also requested that Ryan Reynolds deliver me a double wet cappuccino uh, to my door with uh, with the script. And uh, what does that even mean? What is double wet? I don't know, but that's how he likes his, his cappuccino double wet. Whatever that means. Of course, it's Brad Pitt. Why wouldn't he want a double wet? So I guess Ryan Reynolds showed up at his doorstep with the script and a double wet cappuccino to. Well, I so my understanding is that he was uh, in talks to play Cable at some point, right? I think so. Yeah, that was like the. the and that, I thought that was the link there, but. Uh, well, maybe that was maybe he was like, yeah, I'll be in this movie, but then he was like, I can't do it or something. And, yeah, they um, apparently they shot they shot his uh, his scene in post in like one day. They yeah. just kind of added, added the vanish. It was great though. It was great. Uh, it was and, and Terry Terry Crews. Terry Crews. Oh, so as good. Bedlam. Yeah, and Bill Skarsgård, um, uh, <laughs> it. I don't uh, even remember what, what fucking character he vomit zeitgeist zeitgeist. The, the he, yeah, <laughs> like I, I have I probably have like fifty X Force comics sitting in my parents' house. I don't know who the fuck zeitgeist <laughs> is. Like <laughs> he's like so. Your such a power is that you have your finger you, on, on the, the pulse. pulse of, the, yeah, <laughs> of the pulse culture. Of, yeah. No. It's like no, I vomit, uh, dude. That honestly, that was by far my favorite part. Is when he throws up on Peter. <laughs> I did not see that coming. For some reason, I, I thought did. Peter was getting away, and then he starts trying to pull him out, and he pukes on him, and his arm just comes off. <laughs> that was, that was great. Um, and then, oh, oh, so the other thing I learned today was that uh, Matt Damon. Is in this movie and Alan Tudyk and Alan Tudyk yeah, as the, the hillbillies necks, on yeah. the back of the of the truck, um, which I thought was brilliant. I didn't. I I heard the Damon's voice. And I'm like, that sounds familiar. And I was like, kept waiting to see a closer or better look at his face to reveal who that actor was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I learned today that that was Matt Damon. So yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I had a lot of fun in this film too, um, but yeah. I, so you really think this movie will hold up to the second viewing? I think it. I, so I think it will hold up better than the first one did. So I the the other thing is the humor. Since the humor was so much more inward, 
inwardly focused and meta, I think there was a lot more to unpack and there are a lot more okay. subtle things we'll notice. Yeah. Second fair. time around, um, like there are all these little Easter eggs, like Derpinder's cab had a, <laughs> had an, like an alpha flight ad plastic ad dome mm. on top of it, you know, just yeah, like weird little shit yeah. plastered throughout the, the film. Um, and, and I think the, it's just, everything makes, everything makes more sense in the context of the second and third acts, uh, in this one, as opposed to, I agree. You just you don't know who the bad guys are or why it matters yeah. in the first yeah. one, and uh, yeah, that's uh, I agree. There is a lot as as far as that part of the narrative, it makes a lot more sense, and you're building towards something. Uh, definitely, there is a, a momentum in this movie um, for sure. Deadpool, Deadpool is like fangirling out over the juggernaut, and yeah, yeah, a yeah. great meta moment. So uh, apparently. I guess Ryan Reynolds did the mocap and the voiceover for Juggernaut. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's is, pretty awesome. But I, I think that was – they were trying to figure out who they wanted that reveal to be, and that's who they wanted. Um, believe it or not, they felt like Vinnie Jones didn't do the character justice in X3. Yeah, right. I wonder uh. what could have given that them that impression. <laughs> um, um. Anything else you wanna you wanna talk about? Spoilers? No, I mean I so uh, the other the other thing I read is that uh, Josh Brolin has signed a four film deal, so we are looking more of these. We are looking at more X Force movies. Interesting. Okay. And there are just there are so many characters that nobody has ever heard of or cared about oh. for twenty plus years. Yeah. I just am really curious where we go from here uh but they i mean getting the core the core members setting them up as deadpool cable and domino i think that is a Mm -hmm. smart choice yeah their cat the casting has been fantastic uh and i i think kind of establishing the character's sense of humor and the relationships um I, I think they're off to a good start there with Domino kind of being the, you know, being able to stand toe to toe with, with Deadpool, kind of like a, a sister and, mm-hmm. or maybe, uh, yeah. And then with Cable as the, everyone's gruff dad. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm... And then Fire Fist is the, what, the, Raging it's nothing. <laughs> I don't think he's going to appear again. You he's, don't think so? No, he's he's such a minor character. Um, I I don't actually ever remember. I'm sure he's a real Marvel character. He's probably affiliated with the X Force at some point mm-hmm. in his existence, but I don't remember him. They make fun of that character name so much. That's why it makes me feel like. Yeah. No, I really I really doubt that. Um, yeah. So what I think would be, I don't know, there's some really weird, interesting ideas about where they go next. Like, so the ex- cable, for cable to exist, Apocalypse has to exist. Oh, right. So are we getting into some Apocalypse timeline shit? Are we going to see Bishop in the next film or Forge? Are we going to 
Bishop? Look, are we going to look at the uh, like the Phalanx Covenant or Days of Future Past or Age of? They're like well, all these storylines that we could. Days of Future Past. Let's not go back there. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did a version that was <laughs> not interesting or good or compelling. I, you so. know, I, because I thought that they had, there was rumors that Bishop was going to be in this movie. Um, yeah, but I mean, Cable played like Cable was. So Bishop only Bishop doesn't exist without Days of Future Past, mm. um, and that doesn't exist without the Age of Apocalypse. So, but then right. again, Cable doesn't exist with all that without yeah. all that shit either. So what does it matter? I so I was wondering if we were gonna see like strife in the next film, but that's even kind of after <laughs> Apocalypse. Uh, so. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm I'm I think I think it's exciting that we're finally getting kind of a bigger picture. I think that'll be fun. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. Uh, as as long as they don't lose sight of what they did with the character and the sight gags and the fourth wall breaking in the first movie because if they move too far away from that, it's just going to be yeah, I think it'll lose what made it special. But I don't think they've I don't think it's happened yet just uh it's a definitely a departure from the first film um in closing rusty collins russell, aka russell collins yes. aka Firefist, is a real character yeah he was uh born in tulsa oklahoma and he was uh, raised by his uncle he joined the navy started cooking meth <laughs> got arrested joined the navy i'm he, just kidding he does get arrested uh for <laughs> for accidentally violently burning a woman oh ooh. Uh, X Factor is alerted and comes to Rusty's aid, helping him control his powers. He forms a relationship with Skids, a former Morlock. Yeah. And they live together on a sh- on the ship. Uh, and it looks like there's a couple different um, storylines that involved him. What? So what? Like what years are these arcs running? Um. The first arc was eighty six. Yeah. Um, what? What under what? Uh, like what tra- publication? What trade name? Like um, New Mutants or X Factor? X Factor. Yeah. Eighty six to ninety five okay. was the run. Of two. Well, he had a couple different runs in like X Factor annual series. Uh, then he was part of the New Mutants, yeah. and then he showed up in a couple of Cable's X Forces, like just one-off okay. appearances. So you're right; he's a pretty minor character, not a full, full character. It doesn't seem like he he has his own arc in any of these. Um, I, it it does mention here that um, he was resurrected by means of transmode virus. Uh. He also is a survivor from the Age of Apocalypse. So, there you go. Um, well, Colin, I, I don't know. Uh, Deadpool 2, I think we both kind of enjoyed it about the same. You, uh, maybe a little bit more. Uh, yeah. I think next week we'll be soloing it up. Uh, yeah, solo. Riding solo. With Riding solo. solo. Do the dance, everyone. And Lando. <laughs> Oh, oh. 
Um, all right, so well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Midnight Film Review. We will catch you on the flippity flip. <laughs> flippity floopity flop. Okay, bye. <laughs>